Beyond the Pillion is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people, and we would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Beyond the Pillion. My name is Kahiwa Sabaya. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the chaotic one. And my name is Mark Drexler, he, him pronouns, and I'm the man that's going to teach you that black latex gloves do have a place outside the bedroom. (laughs) It's true. Today's the day you're going to learn what else they could be used for. Indeed. Today we are talking about the basics of maintenance that will help to keep your bike running smoothly and safely and save you money in the long run. Mark? Absolutely. So the aim of today's uh, today's podcast is really to give you an understanding of some really simple maintenance tasks. And like we've said in previous episodes, the more time you spend getting up close and personal with your bike, the better you're going to know it and the quicker you're going to notice when something isn't quite right. Mm. And a quick note as well that these were some quick tasks that we brainstormed. There's probably others that we haven't thought of. If we've missed any and you think, oh, my God, why didn't they say, why didn't they talk about this? (laughs) Just leave us a note in the comments. We're happy to do a revisit at some later stage. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking through the five maintenance tasks um, that we, and by we I mean Mark, uh, think that you should master. We'll be going through a little bit about the what they are, the why you want to do them, the tools you'll need, when to call for help, and um, we'll also be doing some quick short videos to walk you through the steps. Mm-hmm. But for today, first of all, Mark, first off, we're talking about checking and adjusting your tyre pressures. You mentioned this a little bit in our episode around pre-ride checks just to um, check that they were still going okay, but specifically looking at the pr- tyre pressures themselves. What do we want to do there? <laughs> Yes. So in that pre-ride check, I sort of said to do a just a visual check to see if your mm. tyres are obviously flat. Um, so mm-hmm. if they're sitting, you know, with your rims almost hitting the ground, you can tell that they're flat. But uh, motorcycle tyres are something which you do want to keep pretty close to whatever the recommended uh, manufacturer's tyre pressures are. And sometimes that's something that you can't tell just by looking at the tyre. Mm. So um It is really important. It impacts the way your bike handles, particularly if it's a front tyre that is is underinflated. Um, Underinflation or overinflation can also make your tyres wear in very unusual unusual ways Mm. and in ways that can pretty quickly, if you're riding around with the wrong tyre pressures, end up uh, putting your tyre out of of shape by wearing um, unusual spots. And when you do that, as soon as you have got a tyre that is starting to wear in odd shapes, then you're pretty much up to a new uh, up for a new tyre, which mm. um, can be anything. If you've got a, a cheap bike, you might be able to, in Australian dollars, be finding a tyre that might only cost you a hundred or hundred and fifty dollars. If you're riding a bigger uh, a, a bigger bike or a bike that has larger tyres on it, then you can be up for several hundred dollars for a tyre. So. It really is worth looking after your after your tire pressures just as a regular thing. And the tools you'll need to do this um, really is a, a a very simple tire gauge. 
So if you go down to your local your local automotive spares, it doesn't necessarily need to be a motorcycle tyre gauge. Uh, motorcycle tyre valves, which is the bit where you check the pressure, they are the same as a car valve in pretty much every case that I've seen. So if you were to head down either to your local motorbike store or just your car parts, car accessories store, then and have a look for a simple, small, uh, tire pressure gauge, then that is the thing that you need. Um, you can do this on service station, uh, gas station, whatever you want to call them, tire pressure gauges. But uh, for two reasons, there I would suggest getting your own your own gauge. Firstly, um, those those at uh, service stations can be um, beaten around, knocked around. Um, that they're not well cared for mm. and they can often be, you know, potentially giving you some false readings. And secondly, if you've got your own one, then you are going to be checking the same pressure every time. So you'll be able to get, uh, you know, you are reading with the same instrument every single time mm. that you do it. Um, and that is something which uh, will help you just get used to doing it. And it also just makes it easier if you've got one gauge, you know how to use it. You find one that works well on your bike and very easy to do the same thing over and over again. I suppose it also means it's easier to just, just do it you know, of, a, of a moment when you're getting ready for a ride or if you notice something, if it's just in the garage or the shed with you and your bike, uh, reduces yep. one more friction point to avoid actually doing it. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, a big part of motorcycling, the same as every other kind of thing that you do, uh, like flossing your teeth, um, is re trying to reduce or remove the barriers to do it. So mm. if it gets too hard for you to do, odds are you're just not going to do it all that often. So <laughs> as Kahiwa said, having a having a gauge nice and close wherever you keep your motorbike and then just thinking ideally you know, every, every couple of weeks, if you're doing it even once a month is better than I suspect what a lot of people do. And the, the final thing in that is uh, when to call for help. So if you, uh, obviously, if you find a tyre is completely dead flat, mm. then um, if you can pump it up and get it safely to safely to someplace that uh, fixes or replaces motorcycle tyres, do that. If you can't, then, yep, you're calling a, a towing professional or a friend with a trailer uh, the other thing to keep in mind in terms of calling for help is if you notice that your tyre is uh, gradually but regularly deflating. So if mm. your tyre pressure is meant to be 35 PSI and every two weeks you come out and it's dropped down to 25 and you put a bit more in and it keeps on dropping, it, it probably means you've got a slow leak, uh, which is can be more irritating than anything else, but it's still something that's worth going along. Get your local bike shop to check it out. See if you've got either a screw or a nail in your tyre, which can make it slowly deflate. Um, or sometimes the valve can be, uh, valves can slowly leak as well. So some of those are fixable. You won't know. Um, call for help. Get that. Get your bike down to your bike store and get them to check it out. But that talks to your point earlier about the advantage of having your own um, gauge. Is that again you're you're measuring with the same tool, so you're probably more likely to be able to notice that leak over time or a change over time. Um, I'm also wondering yeah. where where is a good place to find the optimum tire pressure. What should we be yes. working to? Excellent question. 
So three places that you might be able to find it. First one is having a look in the manual for your motorbike if you've Mm -hmm. got one. If you don't have one because you bought the bike secondhand and you don't have a manual, uh, do a Google search for (laughs) the name of your bike and um, just the word manual on the end of it. Very often you will find PDF versions online, sometimes through the manufacturer themselves, sometimes people just share them online. So that's place number one. It should be listed in there. Place number two is to have a look on the swing arm of your bike. Now, if you don't know what the swing arm is, uh, it is the bit that connects your rear wheel to usually the midsection of the motorbike. And very often there will be a sticker that is on there that will tell you the tyre pressures for front and rear. And if both of those things fail, pop down to your local bike store, uh, go in there and ask them what they would be running. And that is going to give you, uh, you can go to online forums, but you will get all sorts of crazy (laughs) wacko conspiracies about why high tyre pressures is a plot by the government to probably sell you more tyres or something. Um, And also, I I think... (laughs) The, what, what is important about tyre pressures is that the optimum tyre pressure will change um, depending on, you know, where you are in the world, the, the temperature, the humidity, your body weight, the type yep. of riding that you're doing. Are you, you know, commuting or going really fast Correct. or, you know, lots of corners yep. or more kind of in a straight line? It is, it's not a one size fits all. Um, and so that's hmm. where, you know, they'll give those ranges and, you know, talking to someone in like a, a local motorbike store or similar is probably a good bet together with your manual to say, um, yeah, have a look at those different ranges and work out where you want to be aiming for within that. Spot on. Because I remember we had different tyre pressures when we took the bikes out to the track uh, because we were going to, in theory, be going a lot faster. You went faster. I didn't go that much faster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, track riding. We, we will do a post at some stage on on taking your bike to the track. The the other one I'd throw in there is if you are regularly carrying either a pillion or mm. other heavy weights on the rear of your bike, then that absolutely will mean uh, you're probably going to be ro- running different pressures in your rear tire compared to if it's just you as a single uh, single rider riding it by yourself with uh, yeah. with nothing else on the back. Awesome. So that is checking and adjusting your tyre pressures. Next, Mark, uh, you talk about cleaning and lubing the chain. We looked Mm. at this in our pre-ride check, uh, just about having a look at the chain and and checking to make sure it's still in a reasonable condition. What do we want to think about when we're cleaning and lubing? Um, (laughs) Firstly, it is, uh, along with tyre pressures, it is one of the ones that you absolutely should be checking between services uh, it's probably the one that your chain will get dirty and you mm. will need to clean it it's not a it's not necessarily a fun job it's certainly not a clean job um, but things that we'll talk later on like checking your oil level often you can go between services and you won't see any difference a, um, cleaning and lubing a chain is something you should probably be putting into your uh, into your diary into your calendar maybe like once a month mm-hmm. is if you do it once a month you are going to be doing better than uh, the majority of people out there I suspect 
uh, if you are doing it, um, if you're riding your bike a lot during the winter months, so with lots of road gunge and grime getting up onto your chain, you might need to do it more often. It might even be every fortnight. If you're only riding your, your bike occasionally and you're only doing it in good weather, then potentially you might get away with only doing it every two months, even every every three months. But it is absolutely something you need you need to be doing. Why is it that it's so important? <laughs> uh, chains and sprockets. Now, I'm assuming that for most people, you are going to have a bike that has a uh, is run by a chain rather than run by a belt or a shaft. Um, giggle. If you are either, if you have a bike that's either a belt or a shaft drive, then life is a lot simpler for you because you probably won't need to do anything between services. But if you have a look down at the rear wheel of your bike and you can see um, a chain um, and a sprocket on the rear of it, which is basically a circular, sorry, a uh, a disc that has teeth on it, similar to what you would have on a motor uh, on a push bike chain you're running a chain and sprocket and you need to keep it adjusted. Mm. Um, if you do not, then, uh, sorry, not adjusted, you need to keep it cleaned. If you do not keep it clean, then you can reduce the lifetime of your chain and sprocket quite significantly. So um, I have seen some chain and sprockets that have gone for 30,000 kilometres before they have needed to be replaced. I suspect that I have seen others that might only get about 5,000 kilometres because they have never been cleaned. They are mm. covered in gunk and when they do that, they wear very, very quickly. And to give you an idea of cost, a, a chain and sprocket on an average bike, you might be up for three to 300 Australian dollars to maybe 450 Australian dollars to replace uh, getting it done through a bike store. A bit cheaper if you're doing it yourself, but you know, it is really something that you can save yourself some cash. Uh, you will find that your bike will run better because you are reducing friction that is uh, that is there, or um, you know, you're keeping everything just nicely lubed and rolling as it should, and that will make your bike ride better. So that's why it's important. I can't stress that one enough. And the tools that you are going to need now this is where the black uh, i said latex but probably nitrile if you are and we'll show you that in the video uh, do a google search or pop down to your um, local car accessories place and look for black or nitrile gloves n-i-t-r-i-l-e they are a heavy duty latex like substance um, uh, substance that uh, you usually buy the gloves in packs of 10 20 40 50 depends on how many you want to get so that's thing number one and that will stop your hands getting absolutely caked in uh, grease oil gunge everything mm. else thing number two is some rags or cardboard or something that you can put underneath your bike while you clean it because this one is a dirty job you are going to end up with crud on the floor 
Um, so if you're doing it on a shed surface, then something underneath that can catch all of the gunge. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it outside, for goodness sake, don't try to do this on a lawn. Um, don't uh, yeah, You will kill anything that is underneath the bike if you try and do it on anything that is living. Um, if you're doing it on, on a gravel driveway, then that can, that can be okay so long as you can get the bike suspended, which we'll talk about later. But for most people, you're going to be doing it on a shed floor or some pavers, so make sure you've got something to keep the shed floor nice and clean otherwise you will hear about it from whoever you share that shed with about the mess that you made <laughs> um you will need a some sort of degreaser now uh, this is another great one i, I mentioned the uh, an earlier podcast the way to start a holy war on the internet is to go onto a motorbike forum and ask them about oil um, another one you can start is to go on and ask what best to degrease a chain um, the general the, the general consensus is, well, you, you need some sort of solvent that is going to be able to get the grease off your chain. Now, some people, like old school people like me, will use uh, kerosene, which you can get for very, very cheaply from any hardware store uh, for a large bottle of it. Uh, very harsh, very harsh on your hands, on your skin if you get it on there. Not great for the environment, but it does a fantastic job. Um, similarly, if you buy a can of degreaser, which is based on sort of petroleum products, uh, cheap-ish, um, easier to apply because it's in a can, uh, you are creating more waste. You are still putting a whole bunch of nasty stuff out into the environment. Uh, but works extremely well. The other option you can do is using a more environmentally friendly degreaser. So if you go and have a look again in your auto section and look for a degreaser that is uh, that is based very often they'll be labelled as um, orange, uh, yeah, orange or or citrus degreaser. They are much better for the environment. They're probably better on your skin, but they are more expensive. And to be honest, you might need to use a bit more of them to get the same mm. the same end result. So I would probably say for ease of use, if you're just getting started, probably a can of degreaser, which is going to be a couple of bucks from your local auto store. You can spray it on. Um, if yeah, if reducing barriers to doing something is very important, then that's probably going to be the easiest way. Uh, what are the other things you need for cleaning your chain? Um, some sort of brush. Now, I will show you in the video what a specialist brush is for cleaning your chain for the sake of about 15 odd dollars or 10 to mm. 20 dollars Australian. You're going to be able to get yourself a purpose-built brush to do this. They are worth the effort rather than trying to uh yeah make use of something else that isn't really designed for it it'll take you twice as long and give you not as good a job so uh, we'll show you what a bike what, what a chain cleaning brush looks like and some motorcycle chain lube which is again take a trip down to your local bike store um, ask them what they would recommend for your bike to uh, lubricate your chain and that's something that you'll be putting on after the cleaning process to make sure your chain is protected against the elements and all nicely lubricated so this one there's a bit more in this one that mm. is required but it is also an extremely important one to do and we'll talk you through how to do that in our video follow-up and uh so also, I've noticed when you do the the cleaning and lubing of our chains 
or our motorbike chains, um, you suspend mm-hmm. the bike up um, in order to have the, the yes. rear wheel be able to rotate freely. Um, do you want to talk through that and, and maybe some alternatives? Yeah, for sure. So um, the easiest way of um, cleaning your chain is by suspending the rear of the bike so that you can spin the rear wheel with your hand while you're cleaning the chain with mm. your other hand. And um, the simplest way of doing this is what uh, what you will hear referred to as a paddock stand. So it is something which sits underneath um, either side of your of your motorbike on the swing arm that I mentioned earlier. It uh, it straightens your bike up so it's sitting perfectly upright, and it uh, lifts the lifts the rear wheel maybe a centimeter to three centimeters off the ground. Um, they are something that you will pay you know, maybe one to two hundred dollars for depending mm. on the quality of the paddock stand that you buy but they make cleaning your chain infinitely easier because the alternative if you don't do that is you are cleaning your chain one section at a time so because you can't rotate the wear reel you are uh, pretty much putting your bike down you're cleaning the bottom section of the chain that you can actually see because there's a bunch of your chain that you cannot see uh, then you're rolling your bike forward a bit rolling all of your gear forward a bit and then cleaning the next section roll mm. it forward a bit clean the next section it is a painful process so talking again, about removing a, barriers that sounds like it's a really useful on. way <laughs> Yep, it is a hugely yeah for for the investment you'll make of one to two hundred Australian dollars, it will make your life so much easier and take just that little bit more hate out of probably the crappiest <laughs> job you're going to have to do in maintaining your bike. Cool. All right. Um, so our next maintenance task that we want to talk through is about checking and adjusting your chain. So again, in our pre-ride check, um, we did do a talk a little bit about checking your chain and particularly the play and the, the state of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else do we want to think about on our regular maintenance tasks in terms of checking and adjusting our chain? Yes, another very important one. And the the reasons for doing this are the same as the reasons for cleaning and lubing your your chain. And it Mm. is that uh, the more you keep on top of the adjustment, the longer your chain and sprocket will last, the better your bike will run, and the more you will save money in the long run. Uh, So um, we talked about it briefly in the pre-ride checks. Uh, about how much free play your chain should have. Now, free Mm. play is if you start uh, uh, finding the midpoint between your front and your rear sprocket, and if you go and have a look at your bike and you think, hang on, my bike hasn't got a a front sprocket, that is because it's very often almost always tucked in behind a little cover. You don't necessarily need to see it. You don't need to remove that cover. Uh, You just need to have a bit of a guess about, yeah, okay, I think that's where the front would be. Mm -hmm. Um, Get the midpoint between the front and the rear sprocket and get, if you've got your black gloves on, then you can do it with (laughs) your finger and you won't get dirty. Otherwise, grab screwdriver, uh, spanner, stick, whatever else, and while the bike is on the ground, 
So not while you've got it suspended on your paddock stand, but while it's sitting in its natural position, just leaning over on the side stand, just move that uh, move that midpoint up and down. And either, depending on how finicky you want to be, you can just eyeball it to get an, a rough idea. If you really want to be finicky, then grab a tape measure and measure the amount that it's moving from the topmost point down to the bottommost point. Now, uh, this is another one where the amount that that should be, it'll be defined in your user manual uh, for your for your bike. Uh, you can go and ask your local bike shop about what it should be, but as a really general rule of thumb, it should be two to three centimetres of movement up and down. Now, if you have it, uh, if you have it too loose, then you are probably going to be wearing out components a bit more because the chain is sort of just having too much movement. If you have it too tight, and this is a really, really important one. Um, the, uh, so the, the reason you have that little bit of play in your chain is because as your swing arm moves up and down, it can actually increase the tension on your chain. Mm. So when you have uh, your body and maybe a pillion on, then that chain will tighten up very mm. often because of the way the geometry of your bike your bike moves. So you want a little bit of play so that when it tightens up uh, or when you have a full load on the bike, then your chain is not bearing any of the pressure. Mm. Now, if you have your chain done up as tight as a guitar string when it is just sitting with no weight on it, then uh, when you do put weight on it, then you are actually, well, you're doing one of two things. You're either going to stretch your chain really quickly, um, in which case new chain, and when you replace a new chain, often you'll, you will need to replace your sprockets. So mm -hmm. that's the best case. <laughs> the worst case scenario is that you are putting pressure on the uh, the little what's called an output shaft, which is coming out the side of your motor, and which is the thing that provides the drive to that chain, which then goes to the back wheel. Now, if you spend too much time putting pressure on that output shaft, then you can wear either the shaft itself or you can wear where it goes into the motor. Now, if you do that, you can do some seriously, mm. seriously expensive damage to your motor because you are wearing something which is uh, a very integral and extremely difficult part of the motor to get out. So um, by all means, if anybody tells you to tighten your cha chain up as tight as you can get it, do not listen. Um, they absolutely need to be a little bit loose. Two to three centimetres movement is usually about right. Uh, but check your manual check with your local bike store. Mm -hmm. um, that's about as much as I need to say on checking and adjusting it. We'll go through the, the steps of, of adjusting what, what tools uh, do you need to check and adjust your chain? Oh, yes. Yeah, so um, you will need um, some spanners and some sockets and a socket set, and you might need a longer lever, which is called a breaker bar, mm -hmm. uh, which sounds pretty sketchy. It's nowhere near as exciting <laughs> as it sounds. Um, 
They, this one about checking an adjuster or adjusting your chain is probably the one that you may need the most, uh, the most specialist tools for. Mm-hmm. So um, it could be one that when you're adjusting it, uh, you take it along if it looks like it's getting out of adjustment, pop along to your local bike store, um, ask them really nicely if they could just quickly adjust your chain for you. They might charge you a minimal fee or they might also say, yeah, wheel it around the back, we'll have a quick, we, we can check it. For, for somebody with the right tools, it is a... Oh, less than a five minute job mm-hmm. uh, but if you don't have the right tools that we'll go through in the in the video um, then you you can't do it and you can actually uh, cause a bit of damage by trying to use the wrong tools to uh, loosen off some very very tightly wound up parts uh, you can either damage your tools you can damage your bike or you can damage yourself if you, uh, you know, strain it strain too hard trying to do something with with the wrong tool. So, yeah, mm. a few different bits so that you sounds, need there, mostly just specialist tools. This sounds like one where the most important thing is to be checking on a regular basis and getting really familiar with the amount of play um, of the chain on your bike and, you know, possibly one where totally possible to, to ask for help to do the actual adjustment. But it sounds like it's also yep. very fairly straightforward Um with some investment in the specific tools to be able to do it and to do it properly. Spot on, spot mm-hmm. on. And um, one thing I didn't mention with this is when it's time to call for help. Mm. So, and and this is just in general around your, your chain and sprocket. Um, probably the easiest telltale sign when it's time to go and have a chat with your local bike store. Um, if you see that the teeth on your sprocket are starting to look like shark's fins, mm. um, and, and what I mean by that is that they are no longer uh, symmetrical in terms of the teeth on the sprocket, they're starting to look like one side of the sprocket is wearing and the other side is maybe even pitting in or, or uh, yeah, getting grooves into that. As soon as you see that happening, then it's worth popping down and asking your local bike store about whether, uh, yeah, whether it's time for a new chain and sprocket. Um, the, the the other one is if your chain is looking excessively rusty or excessively stiff. So if you are, uh, you know, you're trying to do your test to move your chain up and down to get an idea of the play and the whole thing feels as stiff as a board, <laughs> it's probably time to pop down, get them to have a look. They may say that it's salvageable with enough lubricant to get it moving again, but they might also say, look, no, the chain's just come to the end of its life life and it's time to do chain and sprocket time so yeah if you see any of those things pop down get them to have a quick look again most bike stores will be happy just to pop out pop out to your bike have a quick look and let you know whether you are uh, in need of something or if you are jumping at shadows which happens to all of us sometimes (laughs) but i remember you talking about the shark fin teeth on the sprocket and uh yeah a, a a dry, rusty chain in our episode. We talked about what to look for when you're buying a secondhand bike. So that also makes Mm -hmm. sense in terms of these regular maintenance tasks also then become things where if you're planning on selling your bike into the future, um, this will help, you know, again, keeping the value of your bike up. Great point. Uh, that was checking and adjusting your chain. Task number four, checking and adjusting your oil level. 
Mm. Now, this is one that it's rare that you will need to do much mm. if you have a relatively modern bike. Uh, most most modern bikes shouldn't be using much oil between their services, but if they are using oil, then firstly, it's a big danger sign, mm. and secondly, it's something that it's pretty easy to fix up. So, um, yeah, your oil in a motorbike similar to a car is an incredibly important mm. uh, important part of the way the whole machine works. Um, if you yeah, if if you don't change your oil at the prescribed service intervals, which will all be in your manual, um, or your motorbike gets too low on oil and bits inside the engine start to not be lubricated, you can be up for a very, very expensive uh, repair bill. So, um, quick and easy one to a quick and easy one to do. Um, the the tools that you need, um, if you're just checking it, then you don't need any tools. Uh, <laughs> well, you need to know where to uh, where to spot the oil yeah. level, though. Yeah, you do. You do need to know. So, um, just about every motorbike will have either a a little glass uh, window somewhere, typically somewhere down low on the bike, on one of the side covers of the engine. Uh, we'll show you this in the podcast, but that is the, uh, sorry, in the video that we'll do as a follow-up, but that's where you can check your oil. Mm. Uh, there'll probably be something in the manual about how to do it. Um, other, if you don't have a window, some motorbikes will have a little dipstick that there is a process there for checking whether there is oil on that and and getting an idea of um, of whether you've got the right amount of oil in there. Um, when to when to sort of raise a red flag and when to go and get something checked out. Uh, if you ever, ever see the oil light, so just about every motorbike will have either an oil light or some other oil warning indicator on the dash. Mm -hmm. if, that, if that comes on and stays on once you've started the bike, very often it will show the oil, the oil warning light before the bike starts up. That's typically normal. Um, when your bike is running, if that oil light remains on, then get yourself to a bike store as quickly as you can. Mm. Uh, if that that may mean that oil is not circulating, it may mean that uh, you are running low on oil. Um, it's probably even if that ever happens, then it's uh, possibly even a better idea just to call your local bike store and see if it's okay to ride it. If you ever see um, a puddle of oil underneath your bike or even drops of oil underneath your bike, then that's, uh, if it's a big puddle, call your local bike store straight away. If it's just a few <laughs> drops, then uh, take it down, get them to have a look at it and make sure that uh, sometimes it can just be a very minor leak, which is not a big deal. Other times it can be something that can be more sinister. You won't know until you get someone to look at it. Mm. And the final one, if you if you do your oil check and you see that, uh, um, well, if the oil looks particularly dark through that window, so if it looks more like just black stuff rather than something that is at least a little bit translucent, mm -hmm. again, it might be time for might be time for an oil change. We won't go into that into changing oil. Uh, we will go into topping up oil. Mm -hmm. So when we do the video, you can, uh, if you are running a little bit low on oil, then you can top it up and we'll do that in the video. Most bikes though, you will find you won't need to do 
much in the way of oil top-ups between services. Services on a modern motorbike are going to be between or any anything between every maybe four or five thousand kilometers and every ten thousand kilometers. So yeah, you, mm. most bikes these days you won't need to do it, but it is a really important one. Very quick check when we do the video of it um, to save you a huge bill if you get it wrong. Absolutely. It sounds like that's also a really important reason to keep up with your servicing schedule um, as kind of outlined in your bike's manual. And yeah, just just checking it regularly to keep an eye on what's happening before something goes really wrong. Yeah, spot on. Awesome. So that's uh, checking and adjusting your oil level. The final maintenance task we want to talk about today um, is checking and topping up your brake fluid. Mm. Um, brakes are pretty important on a motorbike. Um, <laughs> it's same good as to in a be car, able to even stop more. when you need to. <laughs> yeah. Just to throw that one out there, they are seriously important. Mm. And I see occasionally some things come into the workshop that are a bit terrifying when I think, wow, you've been riding around like this. Um, <laughs> so a really quick check that you can do is to just have a look at the brake fluid in your bike. Now, a note here, um, this is assuming that you have hydraulic brakes on your bike. Um, if it's a bike that's made in relatively, you know, in the last well, 20 years, then odds are you will have hydraulic brakes uh, front and rear. Every now and again, you might have brakes which are which are not like on a very, I'm trying to think, uh, I hate to bring it into the conversation again, but I think possibly the CB125E might have had non-hydraulic on the rear possibly or something like that i have that. no idea um yeah I, I can't remember now but if you hear me talking about this stuff and you go out and look at your bike and you can't find anything like i'm talking about then it may be that you are riding a really old braking system that uses cables rather than hydraulic fluid mm. to um, transmit the signal from your your lever whether that's at your hand or your foot um, back to the braking mechanism at your wheel. So don't freak out if you can't find it. Check your manual about how to check your brakes. Um, and if all else fails, pop down to your local bike stop. Um, so why is it important? Um, well, it's pretty obvious. You know, look, look after your brakes. They're not something that you want to that you want to take risks with. Uh, as Kahi was said, this is another reason to do your regular regular servicing because this kind of stuff will be checked every time you get your bike serviced mm. um, and it's it is a really easy task for you to check on the bike um, we'll, we'll go through on the video uh, the steps to do it but um, worth commenting here that brake fluid which is the stuff which is used to um, transmit the signal from the lever or pedal to the braking system. Um, it is a really critical component. It's almost as important as your engine oil. And even if you're not riding your bike, then it does have a use-by date. So even if you think my brakes are great, um, yep, I don't need to get my bike serviced, uh, or, or yep, I changed the oil and I never need to worry about anything else, brake fluid as a thing lasts for maybe three years before it starts to go off. So mm. it's similar to keeping milk in the fridge. Even if you're not drinking it, eventually it does go off and it stops doing the job that you, that you want to do it. 
Um, as you'll see when we do the video of this, uh, it's a pretty easy task and the, uh, you don't need any specific tools typically. Um, usually a Phillips head screwdriver is something you may need to uh, take the cap off that uh, that covers your brake fluid. And other than that, just needing some extra brake fluid if you're just topping up uh, your your brake fluid, which sometimes is uh, is required. Um, and if you need to get some of that, you know what I'm going to say, pop down to your local bike store, um, ask them what brake fluid you need to use for your specific motorbike there's only a couple of different times uh, types that you can need but pop down to them and uh, they will be able to they will be able to help you out with that um, thing when to call for help on this one if you ever feel that your brakes are becoming particularly spongy so there's not a nice firm feel in either the lever or the or the pedal and a nice firm resistance but you're starting to feel like it really spongy mm. get down to your bike store um, if you ever jump on your bike and either push the pedal or pull the lever in and it goes straight to the floor or straight to the handlebar do not ride your bike um, your bike is not safe to be ridden with with one brake um, get it towed. It's there is zero point in taking risks with your brake and brakes in trying to get mm. it to, in trying to get it to a, a bike store. So, um, and and the final one, and you'll see a bit more of this when we, uh, when we start looking at um, at the video. If you ever look into your brake fluid inspection windows and the brake fluid is starting to look a milky colour rather than a nice clear i kind of call it like a urine sample um, oh. yeah, good brake fluid should look like a good urine sample um it's, it's, it's the truth i'm just i'm just calling it like i said mm -hmm. um if it looks like a cloudy uh, like a very cloudy type of fluid in there then again just the same as if that was your urine sample you'd want to get yourself to a doctor pretty quickly because something serious is going wrong um, with your uh, with your brake fluid it just means that your brake fluid is going off and it is in need of flushing out completely and uh and putting a whole new um yeah uh quantity of brake fluid right throughout the brakes um cloudy urine sample don't ask me i go and see your doctor beyond the pillion does not provide medical advice thought of any other analogy no <laughs> no Anyway, um, uh, so for this one in anyway, particular, okay, I think it should look the like video... apple juice rather than cloudy apple juice. There we go. There we go. Um, apple cider vinegar without the mother rather than with the mother in it. Um, I think this one in particular, the, the video will be quite important to show you where the the brake fluid um, housing unit mm. Um might sit on your bike and reservoirs. kind of what to look like. That's it, reservoir. Might look like. Yeah, if you want to impress the people in the local bike store, go on and talk about your reservoir. <laughs> yes. So I think the, the video will be quite useful to see where that is likely to sit on your bike, what to look for in terms of um, the 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 colouring and tone of the fluid. Um, hmm. And we'll be having those ready uh, in in the kind of week or so after this episode comes out. Is there anything else you wanted to add about um, those five tasks, Mark? 
no, I don't think so. We've tried to keep it just as the really simple ones. Uh, one thing I would say, and Kay was kind of hinted at this, is that it is it's rare that any of these things will go out of whack all at once really mm. quickly. So uh, this is the importance of doing these checks regularly, means that um, you'll be able to spot these changes when they are in their early stages, uh, rather than, yep, you haven't cleaned your chain for 12 months and, yeah, by, by that stage, it's well past any kind of fixing and just go to your local bike store and cough up 400 bucks because, you're yeah, there's nothing much you can do then. So Yeah, I think assuming, assuming you're not riding like an absolute hooligan um, or in completely atypical um areas or, or styles of riding, most of these mm. I think should be things that happen over time. Partly they're a part of um, normal wear and tear of the different components yep. of Spot a on. motorbike. Um, and so together with the regular pre-ride checks, um, you know, these regular maintenance tasks will be things that you should be able to notice over time. And the sooner you notice it, then the sooner you can rectify it and, and avoid something in the long term, yeah? Bingo. All right. So our takeaways for today um, is exactly that that first one there. So these tasks shouldn't take too long to actually do. We've taken a little while to talk through them. Um, but when you're actually doing them, they don't take very long. We're talking for the most part, you know, once a month-ish to at least do you checking mm. and uh, tire pressures and cleaning and lubing the chain. Um, so you're investing a relatively small amount of time in the short term um, that will hopefully save you time and money in the long term, um, avoid serious issues, and will also just help you have more enjoyable rides. In the meantime, if you know that your bike is is operating as, as close to optimum as possible, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yep, I would say I would say set aside in your calendar one hour a month. To go through these things mm. and that should be plenty and our second takeaway here is that hopefully um together with the step-by-step -step videos uh they sound like they're really achievable um and we put this out as an invitation to give these a go and that invitation also extends to me um that these are actually pretty easy mm. things to do they will help you learn and grow as a motorcyclist. Um, I think particularly for uh, for women or, or people who maybe don't have experience looking after vehicles or, or engines. Um, hopefully, you know, this will also help you build your confidence um, looking after your motorbike. And as Mark said up the top, you know, the more time you spend getting up close and personal with your bike the better you're going to know it, the more confident you're going to be um, that it's in a good condition and the more relevant conversations you'll be able to have when you do take your bike into a local bike store for maintenance or repairs or other issues, you'll have a clearer idea about actually what you're wanting to ask for or what needs to get done. Fantastic. Thank you, Kahiwa. Now, in our next episode, we are going to talk, uh, probably Kahiwa, I think we'll spend more time talking <laughs> about this, and we might even have a special guest or two, possibly, we shall see, um, about how to connect with others in the, uh, in the motorcycle community.
um, particularly as you are just getting started as a writer, uh, there's a huge amount out there that mm. you can connect into um, and we'll try and help you work out how to do it and which ones are going to be fantastic and maybe which ones yeah, might be something for later. <laughs> I think there's there's a lot of different options for community and one of the great things about there are. Um, riding a motorbike and being a part of the motorcyclist community is that there's there are a bunch of different subcultures too and sub-communities that you can join and a number of different yeah, ways that on. you can connect um, depending on how how you want to engage with, with other people. Uh, so mm. looking forward to that one to come soon. But until then, please ride safe and have fun. Beyond the Billion is brought to you by Kahi Wasabaya and Mark Drexler and with the support of Woman Moto, the online magazine for women motorcyclists. Go to womanmoto.com. If you liked today's episode, please remember to rate, review and subscribe and tell a friend. It helps others find the podcast. <laughs>